0: Lombardi Memories, a show that takes you back in time, into January February, to the greatest one-day spectacle in all sports. This is the Every Other Tuesday podcast that looks back at each and every one of the 50-plus Super Bowls and tells the story of who won and why. For the fan who needs more to test a box score, this podcast goes drive-by-drive, play-by-play, through the most dramatic games in history. I'm your host, Tommy A. Phillips, and you can visit my website at tommyaphillips.com where you can find all of my books. Those include Nifty Nineties, the Stories of an Amazing Decade in Pro Football History, which covers this final Super Bowl of the decade. Today, we have Super Bowl 34, which was held on January 30th, 2000, at the Georgia Dome in Atlanta between the AFC champion... Tennessee Titans, and the NFC champion, St. Louis Rams. If you're looking for the full story on this 1999 season, pick up my nifty 90s book and you'll learn more than you ever wanted to know about that year and the rest of the 90s. As always, we have a pop quiz, and then homework at the end of the episode. The pop quiz question for today is, This Super Bowl ended with no turnovers. What was the last Super Bowl to end with no turnovers? The answer will come at the end of the podcast. It is humorous that Al Michaels said during this Super Bowl that Hollywood would reject Rams quarterback Kurt Warner's story for being too smalty because his story did indeed become a Hollywood blockbuster in 2021 titled American Underdog. Warner took over its starting quarterback after Trent Green suffered a season-ending injury in the preseason. Head coach Dick Vermeil said that his team would rally around Kurt Warner, and he was laughed at. But by the end of the season, there were a lot of people laughing about how amazing the Rams' offense was. Warner threw for 4,353 yards and an NFC record 41 touchdowns posting a passer rating of 109.2. He was easily named MVP having the most unexpected season of all time. Of course he couldn't have done without his teammates such as Marcel Falk the running back who had come over in a trade from Indianapolis he turned into the perfect weapon for offensive coordinator Mike Martz's offense. He ran for nearly 1,400 yards and caught 87 passes for another over 1,000 yards. He was named Offensive Player of the Year. The Rams had two brilliant wideouts in Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt. Bruce caught 77 passes for a team-high 1,165 yards and 12 touchdowns. Holt caught another 52 for 78, or 788 that is, and 6 touchdowns. Then you had speedster Azir Hakim, who had 677 receiving yards and 8 touchdown catches. The Rams even had Ricky Prohl, who came up big in the playoffs. Their offense became known as the greatest show on turf, as it was electrifying to watch and impossible to stop on their way to a 13-3 record. The Rams played a crazy division round game against Minnesota, where they scored 49 points, but still couldn't put the Vikings away until the very end. The Vikings missed a couple of two-point conversions, which would have made it a one-score game. But the Rams held on the win, 49-37. Then they played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who forced the Rams to play their kind of ball. The Bucs led 6-5 in the fourth quarter when Warner threw the game-winning touchdown to Pro. If not for the Burden Manual rule that caused a Tampa pass to be ruled incomplete, the Rams may not have made it to Atlanta, but they held on to win 11-6 advancing to their first Super Bowl since moving to St. Louis. The Tennessee Titans also went 13-3, and but they were overshadowed by the Rams and other AFC teams since they finished as a wild card behind the 14-2 Jacksonville Jaguars. It was the Jags who were the class of the AFC in 1999 earning the number one seed and a home field for the AFC championship game. The Titans should have been eliminated in round one, when the Bills made a field goal with less than half a minute to go to take a one-point lead. That's when the home run throwback, a lateral on a kickoff return from tight end Frank Wycheck to Kevin receiver Kevin Dyson, turned into a miracle touchdown on a kickoff return, and it became known as the Music City Miracle, and Tennessee won 22-16. Then the Titans barely beat the Indianapolis Colts 19-16, to 16 before going to Jacksonville and stomping the Jags for the third time this season, 33-14. That's right, the Jaguars lost only three games in 1999, all to Tennessee. The Titans originally planned on going with a Pittsburgh South offense. Former Steelers Neil O'Donnell and Yancey Thigpen were the quarterback and top receiver. But after those two went down with injuries, Steve McNair took over at quarterback. And he was electrifying, throwing for over 2,100 yards and rushing for over 300 more and 8 touchdowns. Running back Eddie George proved to be a revelation, rushing for over 1,300 yards and nine touchdowns. The characters of the home run throwback were the top two receivers on the team, with Whitechek catching 69 passes and Dyson catching 54. The Titans also had a monster defense led by the freak, Zavon Kirsch, who came up with 14.5 sacks. The Rams were seven-point favorites entering this Super Bowl, which ended up as a logistical disaster when a major ice storm struck Atlanta. In this early era of the internet, dot-com companies bombarded the Super Bowl airwaves with commercials, some of which weren't around very much longer. And this was the first Super Bowl to be held since Y2K which was supposed to cause major problems. Needless to say this was a new era the NFL and the world were entering. This game got off to a very slow start. Rams got the ball first. Warner completed his first pass but it was not to a receiver but rather to offensive tackle Fred Miller, who caught it off a deflection for a one-yard loss. Then Warner made up for he hit Bruce for a first down at the Tennessee 49, first down there, and then he hit Prohl for 11 more yards. Tight end Roland Williams hauled one in at the 28, then running back Robert Holcomb ran it up the middle. He got 11 more yards and a first down. But the ramp stalled there, so they sent on kicker Jeff Wilkins to try a 35-yard field goal, but holder Mike Horan dropped the snap and was tackled for a loss, so the Rams got zero points out of it. The Titans got their first first down of the game on an offensive penalty offside penalty on the Rams. McNair then threw a screen to George, who picked up 32 yards into Rams' territory. George got the ball inside the 30, but two incompletions sent on the kicker, Al Del Greco. His 47-yard field goal attempt was wide left, and the game remained scoreless. Werner started off the next drive by throwing over in the middle to Holt for a 32-yard gain to the Tennessee 30. He then found Falk for another first down at the 14. However, perhaps the Rams were too conservative with their next two play calls, both runs by Folk for short gains. An incomplete sent Wilkins back on, and this time he did have the opportunity to make his 27-yard attempt, and that made it 3-0 at the end of one quarter. The Titans punted it back to St. Louis, and on the second play of the new drive, Falk escaped on a long gain all the way down to the Tennessee 17th. The Rams were in field goal range now, but Wilkins missed a 34-yard field goal attempt wide to the right. Game remained 3-0. George ran for a first down, and McNair followed him with a 13-yard run for another first down. But a sack by defensive end Kevin Carter uh, set the Titans back a bit. When the Titans ended up punting, the Rams nearly blocked it, but they got the ball back and soon moved into field goal range. This time Wilkins made a 29-yard field goal and it became 6-0. The Titans went 3-and-out. Then Warner threw the hole for one first down before being sacked right at the 2-minute warning. He made up for it by going to the hole for first down with 48. Bruce and Hakeem each caught passes for first downs. Then the Titans got called for holding, which was another first down. Kirsten horse collar Warner for a sack, getting part of Warner's face mask for a 15-yard penalty. However, the Rams could not punch it in. They settled for a 28-yard Wilkins field goal and went to the half up 9 nothing. McNair came out of the locker room with a pass to Whitecheck for a first down at the 41. He then hit tight end Jackie Harris for another first down at the Rams' 47. George took a, dra- a draw for a first down and got to the 36, but the Titans soon were stopped, had to try a field goal. This time, Aldel Greco had his 47-yard field goal attempt blocked by defensive back Todd Light and recovered by defensive tackle DeMarco Farr. Folk got a first down on a third down play with a catch underneath, getting to the 43. Next, Warner went long for Bruce, and he found him for a first down at the 26. Tight end Ernie Conwell caught a pass for a first down and got down to the 10. Three plays later, Warner threw over the middle to Holt, who juggled it before bringing it in for a nine-yard touchdown. It was the first touchdown of the game, and it put St. Louis up 16-0. George started the new drive for Tennessee with two runs, getting a first down to the 45. McNair then threw a few passes to the wide check to get to the Rams' 30. McNair scrambled on a second down play went 23 yards got all the way down 2 to 2 and then uh, some really curious coaching here first the Titans they use a timeout at the 1 yard line now Eddie George did pound it in make it 16 to 6 but now Jeff Fisher the head coach went for a two point conversion But it was still in the third quarter, so it seemed a little too early to go for two. And McNair's pass to Wycheck went off his hand, fell incomplete. Titans remained down by 10 as the fourth quarter began. The Titans faked an onside kick, but they kicked it short instead, and the Rams got the ball back at their own 37. After a St. Louis three and out, Tennessee had the ball back at their own 21. George started the new drive with a six-yard run, then McNair threw to Dyson for a first down. George ran three more times to get nine yards, and then fourth down, McNair snuck across for the first down. After five more yards from George, McNair fired to receiver Isaac Bird for a first down. With the ball in good field position, the Titans curiously called their second timeout. A very critical timeout, ABC announcer Al Michaels said. Now they're down to just one timeout. McNair threw a backside screen to his left, and Jackie Harris rumbled for 21 yards. Two plays later, George hammered in for a touchdown. The Titans now trailed by just three. The Rams went 3 down again, and the Titans got the ball back at their own 48. McNair immediately scrambled up the middle for 10 yards. George got another 7 before McNair threw to Harris and got a first down despite a Harris fumble. Bird was Johnny on the spot in recovering that loose ball. The Titans got as far as the 25 before having a kick. Del Greco made the 43-yard attempt and the game was tied 16-16 with just over two minutes to play. That's when one of the most iconic moments in Super Bowl history took place. Warner went deep down the right sideline for Bruce, who hauled it in, made a move, and was gone for a 73-yard touchdown. That pass put Warner over 400 yards passing, the most in Super Bowl history. More importantly, it put the Rams up 23-16 to 16 after the two-minute warning. Now, now it gets exciting. The Titans begin their dri- final drive, backed up thanks to a holding call on the kickoff. They have, remember, they have only one timeout. So time's of the essence. McNair threw the Mason inbounds, then to Whitecheck. And he did get out of bounds with 120 to go. McNair scrambled for another first down. And then he got 15 more yards because of a face mask on the tackle. Max the Rams jumped offside. McNair ran out of bounds for a couple more yards, stopping the clock with 49 seconds to go. And next, McNair threw over the middle to Dyson. He caught it for a first down at the 32. But then here came one of the ugliest Super Bowl moments of all time. I'm not talking about how this game ended. I'm talking about the feud between ABC announcers Al Michaels and Boomer Esiason. So after this catch, the two of them start arguing on air whether the Titans should have used their final timeout there. And they were getting quite testy with each other. Michael said to spike it. Asaisan said to call the timeout, and, and they they were noticeably angry, and it was rather cringeworthy to listen to, <laughs> especially knowing what happened after the Super Bowl, where uh, Asaisan got fired. Michaels was proven to be right on whether they should spike it or call the timeout because they did spike it, and then McNair avoided a sack and somehow fired downfield to Dyson for a first down inbounds with six seconds left. So the Titans now, they still had a timeout left, so they called it. (laughs) Asiasen gave this really sarcastic, way to go, Al after (laughs) Michaels have proven to be correct on this situation. The Titans have one more play. To this day, I'll never understand it. McNair threw a pass to Dyson, well sort of the goal line, and he was tackled by linebacker Mike A. Jones, one yard, sort of the end zone. Time was up, and the Rams had won the Super Bowl. Well, why was the pass sort of the goal line? In that situation, you have to go to the end zone even if no one's open. It's your only chance of victory. Expecting a receiver to make a move in that situation is folly. You've got to get that ball in the end zone. If it sounds like I'm a little ticked off about this, it's because I am. We were robbed of the first overtime in Super Bowl history because McNair didn't go for the end zone. Now, I was rooting for the Rams. But man, could you imagine what would have happened if this game had gone to overtime? Neither team turned the ball over once. The first time that happened since Super Bowl 25 between the Bills and the Giants. And that is the answer to the pop quiz question Super Bowl 25, last Super Bowl before this one, with no turnover. Now, the biggest play of the game, that was kind of obvious, Warner's game-winning 73-yard touchdown pass to Bruce. What was the biggest play no one remembers? How about not a play at all, but rather the Titans wasting those two timeouts in the second half? If they had both of them at the end there, it would have given them so many more options on that final drive, This game was the classic example of a team misusing timeouts. Someone sort of given Jeff Fisher a copy of Madden NFL 2000 before the game. Warner was the MVP for good reason, a Super Bowl record 414 passing yards. The second best player had to be Bruce for his six catches for 162 yards and the game winning touchdown. Those two members of the greatest SOA on turf really came to play. McNair gets credit as the MVP of the losing team for leading this team back from a 16-0 deficit and throwing for 214 yards, not to mention russing for 64 yards, a Super Bowl record for quarterbacks. As for the least valuable player, sorry about this, but we have to give it to Javon Curse. He went invisible for this game. He had two tackles, that's it. His one would be sack was canceled out because he grabbed Warner's face mask. He was practically invisible in the most important game of the year. Give St. Louis's offensive line a lot of credit, of course. But Kursit didn't have it on this day. Finally, who's the best player you don't remember? How about Jackie Harris, tight end for the Titans? He bounced around in the league from Green Bay to Tampa Bay to Tennessee, and in the biggest game of his life, he caught seven passes for 64 yards. He proved to be a reliable target for McNair. As for Warner, his story of going from a food stalker at a local supermarket to Super Bowl MVP and holder of the passing yards record in the big game, well, you, you know, well... His story is now immortalized in the movie American Underdog. Now, I like this movie for a lot of reasons, but but the sort of Lambeau Field in this movie is anachronistic. Uh, they saw 2021 Lambeau Field, not pre-renovation Lambeau Field in the 90s. And believe me, Lambeau Field looked a ton different in the 90s than it does today. I wish there had been more football action in that movie, but otherwise you probably need to see it, and that's my homework for you this episode. Instead of a book, a movie, Watch American Underdog, and you'll see exactly how improbable Warner's Super Bowl MVP really was. Next episode in two weeks, we will go from one of the best Super Bowls of all time, to one of the worst. Are you ready to see a team's offense play so badly that they never cross the goal line? That's right, I'm talking about the New York Giants, who only scored on a kickoff return. Then the Baltimore Ravens match And that is all for the next episode. But for now, you can find my books at TommyAPhillips.com. I specifically suggest the great 80s and nifty 90s books. Later this year, there will be a third book on NFL decades on the 70s. You won't want to miss it. Till next time, this is Tommy A. Phillips signing off. So long.